If you bought a ticket to any of our Off The Gram Live events last year, you were the ultra-lucky recipient of a little something special from Soma, the Lux Intimates brand loved by women everywhere. We were so lucky to once again have items from their number one sleep collection to gift to our guests for Off The Gram Live earlier this month in Nashville. Guests received their Cool Nights short robe made from lightweight rayon fibers that stay cool to the touch and keep the fabric from sticking to your body. Me and Team OTG got to experience the magic of cool night sleepwear by trying Soma's Cool Nights short set in a new flamingo print, perfect for a spring getaway and Mother's Day. Highly recommend you get yourself some Soma to pamper yourself or spoil someone else in your life with the gift of comfort and style. Mother's Day is coming up. We all deserve a little self-care. In case my family is listening, ahem, head on over to Soma.com to shop all their self-care styles. Jamie here. Anyone who knows me knows I have a love-hate relationship with energy drinks. Mostly, I love them. And that's the problem. I hate how much I love them. Many come with less than healthy ingredients, are full of sugar, and make me jittery, none of which I appreciate. Introducing Power Burn by Rowdy Energy, the next-generation energy drink to help you stay energized and ignite a healthier lifestyle. Loaded with electrolytes and bursting with flavor, but without artificial sweeteners or preservatives, you can feel as good as it tastes. Refresh the way you burn calories with the all-new Power Burn, the pairing of natural caffeine from green tea and green coffee beans with other clinically proven thermogenic ingredients can help you burn up to 150 calories per can. Some of the other goodies in Power Burn, 3,000 milligrams of amino acids to support satiety and performance, energy from natural caffeine sources, an electrolyte boost, sustained focus from the nootropic L-theanine, ON, zero sugar, artificial sweeteners, preservatives, flavors, or colors. An energy boost with no junk and no jitters or crash? Count me in. To pick up Rowdy Energy's Power Burn for yourself, head over to your local 7-Eleven or Speedway or order online at rowdyenergy.com and use the code OTG10 for 10% off. Getting kids to take vitamins used to be a hard part of my morning until we became a Flintstones family. I remember taking Flintstones vitamins every morning in my house when I was a little kid, and it always gives me the warm and fuzzies to think back. Taking those vitamins made me feel like my mom cared about me, and getting to pick my flavor from the bottle was the highlight of my before-school routine. Fast forward (coughs) 30 or 40 years, and now I'm the one taking care of my kiddos by giving them Flintstones each morning, the number one children's multivitamin brand. Today, they may look a little different, but they provide the same loving care. Flintstones Super Beans Complete Multivitamin provides support for kids' healthy growth, development, and immunity. The delicious jelly beans are rich in key nutrients such as vitamin A, vitamin B6, vitamin B12, vitamin C, and vitamin E, and will have kids super excited to take their daily multivitamin. Want to be a Flintstones family too? Find them online or head on over to your local drugstore nationwide.
this formula shortage is a confluence of a bunch of situations. You know, one, of course, we had a global pandemic, which led to the general supply chain issue that we're seeing. Also, labor shortages. So even just getting, you know, shipping, getting formula off of, of crates. Um, so we have that going on. And then a few months ago, we also saw Abbott Nutrition, which is one of the main producers of formula here in the U.S., um, you know, got shut down, had a recall because unfortunately there were four babies that were, you know, had a bacterial infection from the product. Welcome back to an all new season of Off the Gram, the show where we bring you straight into the trenches with us to help you live your best life, channel your inner girl boss, and navigate the ever changing landscapes of wellness and social media. Yay! Hey, Max. Hey, Heidi. All right, Jamie here. I'm excited to talk to today's guest because I adore her, but I'm not thrilled over the reason why she had to be here today. There's a national baby formula shortage, and it's got mamas everywhere up in arms. To speak about it today, we have Jada Shapiro. Jada is a maternal health expert and the founder of Boober, where expectant parents and new families find expert classes and vetted pregnancy to postpartum care providers like doulas, lactation consultants, or mental health therapists when they need it. She also founded Birthday Presence, a respected birth worker training center. She's a birth and postpartum doula, childbirth educator, lactation counselor, birth photographer, mother, and stepmother. Jada has assisted hundreds of births, and she's a sought-out media expert from pregnancy to postpartum. Heidi here. If you've been following the news, you undoubtedly know about the shortage. Basically, between supply chain shortages and a couple of other unfortunate twists and turns, which we'll get into today, there's just no formula. And this isn't new. I had someone reach out to me on Instagram back in February asking me if we had a formula shortage in New York because she was unable to get any for her infant where she lives. There are empty shelves everywhere and mom groups are buzzing about what the heck to do. So just this week, according to the New York Times, two children in Tennessee were hospitalized because their families could not find the specific formula they needed during a nationwide shortage that has grown more acute over the past month, sending parents frantically searching for interim solutions. You can see why this is a critical issue. We brought Jada on today to help us make sense of what is going on and what moms can do to get through this trying time. So listen to this show if you're a mama who's affected by the shortage and you're freaked out. You've heard about milk sharing in mom Facebook groups, but you're thinking, ew, that can't possibly be safe, right? Or you have moms in your life and you care about women in general and being able to share good advice. So Jada, we are so excited to have you here. This is Jamie. And I just had to kind of kick off with the first question because you are like my real life friend. I love how we connected. I haven't seen you since you were one of those when we got on the phone yesterday for our pre-interview. I was like, oh my God, it was like one of those pre-pandemic, like, well, I haven't seen you in three years, but like, you know, (laughs) minus two, carry the three, like it doesn't really count because the whole world stopped. But the last time I saw you, I think was at my Mindful Mamas event. Heidi, you were there and I was pregnant with Asher, who just I three. was so there. That's right. You were <laughs> there too. That is crazy. I oh know. And he's three? And he's three. So there that you is. go. And you were giving us all sorts of great lactation advice and just showing up and being there for mamas. So we're really excited to have your expertise today. I want to start here. Why are we having this formula shortage? 
Yeah, it is. This formula shortage is a confluence of a bunch of situations. You know, one, of course, we had a global pandemic, which led to the general supply chain issue that we're seeing also labor shortages. So even just getting, you know, shipping, getting formula off of, of crates. Um, so we have that going on. And then a few months ago, we also saw Abbott Nutrition, which is one of the main producers of formula here in the U.S., um, you know, got shut down, had a recall because unfortunately there were four babies that you know had a bacterial infection from the product two babies died unfortunately and so they stopped producing and so you have that situation and then you also have formula companies that only manufacture a certain amount as required to need it's not like you can just flip a switch and all of a sudden go into mega you know back into some level of production that they weren't prepared for so we have all of that and then on top of that you have the kind of more global, you know, context. Well, actually, let's let's add one more level. You have um, people started stockpiling as we started to see this formula shortage, and you're hearing more and more. And so, you know, people understandably getting nervous. Are they going to have enough food for their babies? And they start buying more. And then you have this situation where people who are really needed can't get it. And on top of that, we should just layer on the global context of how how we have such a general lack of support for new parents anyway, where, you know, I want to kind of start by saying right now when we're in the middle of the crisis is not a time to really necessarily talk deeply about all of the issues around, you know, breastfeeding or formula, but you do have a very high initiation rate in the U.S. So you have a pretty high rate of people actually do want to nurse their babies. Um, But because of all of the lack of support and help and lack of, you know, we'll talk about all of this, but, you know, paid, you know, paternal, uh, sorry, paid maternal leave, um, mandated federal leave, et cetera, in addition to lack of lactation support and no in-home visiting that is mandated by our government, like lots of other countries do, you end up in a situation where people who wanted a nurse couldn't, and so they become reliant on formula, where people who um, maybe have babies who have great sensitivity or issues, you know, have certain reliances on formula and you can't get it. Um, and that's that's kind of how we, how we got here. Is it true, Jada, that 90% of the formulas in our country are made by only three companies. I read that somewhere. Is that true? I thought there was like checks and balances in our government that we're supposed to prevent that kind of thing. Yeah. I don't know if that's the exact number. There's about three or four major manufacturers here. And then you have manufacturers around the world as well. And you also have a couple of new startups that have come into the space that have just started. Um, so it's really interesting, but it's not that many producers and, um, and, and not too many options. And then you also have the issues of around, you know, why you see a lot of people maybe going to a European formula company versus here because of the ingredients and, and the quality and the kind of, you know, nutritional controls we, we have here. Um, so you guys are, I know, Jamie, that is one of your your spaces, nutrition. And Can um, I ask one of the most basic questions, though? Because yeah. I just, my kids are now 11, 10, and sure. 8, and I haven't bought formula in 100 years or, or struggled with breastfeeding in 100 years. But what the heck is in formula and why does it cost as much as a bar of gold? Even before the shortage, like it's behind a case with a lock. Like what the heck is in baby formula? Well, I think it, it's more that it's not that the ingredients are necessarily so special unless you have a baby with special needs. So there are certain formulas that have specific hypoallergenic properties, et cetera, or are using, you know, different 
kinds of chemicals, different kinds of vitamins, additions, or not having certain kind of amino acids, et cetera, for those babies who can't process it. So there's that. Um, and then you have the, the FDA approval and the stringent level of quality control around what is going into a baby. So the company has to pay for, for that those FDA regulations. So we're paying it on the consumer end is really the thing. It's not like there's magical ingredients that are costing the fortune. It's just that the the hoops that a company like that needs to jump through and should be clearly jumping through to get the product to the shelves. I think that you could say that as well as the amount, um, you know, level of demand or need in in the country, right? So it's only a small amount of tiny humans who need to eat this. So that is also going to cause the price to be up because you can't actually, you're not feeding the whole nation on formula. There's not enough product out there. And, you know, there is a certain amount of money that a company needs to make. So they are for-profit companies. It's not medicinal, which some people argue perhaps it should be in some way, right? And then in this moment, we could kind of clarify who needs it most, who needs it, and be able to distribute formula in that way, as opposed to just and potentially of, then even get insurance help would be, which would be interesting. Yeah. And insurance does cover some level of formula, especially for parents who have babies who have kind of, you know, who have different diseases, et cetera. So there is, is some of that. And I think, you know, that's another thing that we, we could look at is like, what is insurance covering from a health perspective? Also, if if insurance covered lactation support better than the people who actually did want to nurse. And again, this is no judgment on whether you do or don't, but we are seeing a greater reliance on formula because we're not helping the people who actually wanted to feed their babies from their bodies be able to. So that gets me to my first question, which I should dive into, which is, can we talk about the shaming going on right now? So like the formula shortage has literally kicked up emotions, right? Tell us what you're seeing, because this is your community. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I mean, so much, so much shaming. And I, I think I want to just kind of start by, you know, I, I saw, I've seen different articles that are like, well, now is not the time to be shaming moms. I'm like, um, is there ever a time yeah. we should be shaming she moms? Well, but not today. Okay. Then. Yeah. Like, could you just hold yeah. off for a second? Like, how about that we would start by meeting people where they are and understanding each individual's whole circumstance that led them to a series of decisions or needs or wherever they are. So I kind of want to start from that place. I know, you know, at Boober, when I first started, one of the very first people who texted when we were just a text-based service was somebody who actually didn't want to breastfeed. And she was so engorged and she was freaking out, you know, and just didn't want to. And she told me I was the first person who told her, you know, you don't have to breastfeed. There are other ways, right? So I think I want to start from there because a lot of people assume that by owning um, a lactation support company that I don't support people in whatever their feeding journey is. And I want to be sure that we we do we do know that. And now I've completely forgotten well, your first question. We just know. Boober a lot. Like, I feel like it's a word that I like to say, boober. Wait, I have to say that at Jamie's event where I met Jada for the first time, there was a gift bag yes. and it said boobs are magic. And I it's one of my it. favorite bags to carry around. It's the best. I love that. We are, we are down to, I have one bag left and everybody's <gasps> like, when are you going to make it again? And I guess, I guess that's, that's a really good endorsement. Thank you guys. <laughs> so we were talking about the emotions, right? I was saying that um, there's, you know, let's not shame ever. Um, and what we're seeing right now is a lot of stress. Actually, like I want to start there because if your baby is eating formula right now and you can't get the formula that you need, you are freaking out and you are worried and you're concerned. And so telling somebody like, well, maybe you should just breastfeed. Um, right now, if they have a three month old, let's say, and they haven't nursed their baby ever, or maybe they did a little bit in the beginning, there is no way 
without extensive amount of work, you know, to rebuild supply. And we can talk about that because some people can build up their supply, but not if they haven't been nursing this whole time. It would be very challenging to do that in a quick and way. And under right? stress, right? Like if I don't do this, my baby can't eat. I mean, like not a great condition. Stress, doesn't stress prohibit lactation? It does prohibit lactation um, to some degree, for sure. Although we could also say that if we if we do stimulate our bodies and we do, you know, more, we, we like to say more milk out is more milk made. So that is kind of the fundamental. Um, so stress definitely inhibits um, for sure. But we could also say that under deep motivation to try and build supply, you might you might be very motivated and be able to achieve that if you were already in a milk making state. Right. So I think like right now, nationally, you know, it's like, let's address what's going on and let's get the parents, you know, the resources they need to get the formula that they need right now. And then I'm really hoping to spend a lot of time actually unpacking all of this and why we got here, because I just don't think that we really express to parents who are deciding again, not parents right now, but if you're deciding, should I breastfeed? Should I body feed? Should I, should I feed my baby, you know, bottle formula? Um, they're not being explained all the possibilities. And I don't think a lot of us in this, you know, especially those of us privileged to live in places where you can get whatever you need on the corner at any time of night. You know, I'm still in New York. That's certainly um, a thing that people can get. But even just in the U.S. as as a fairly wealthy, com- you know, country, as a wealthy country, although totally major disparities existing, but there was always this sense of you could get anything you need when, when you need it. And to be faced for the first time with this kind of shortage, you know, that's that, that people weren't really prepared for thinking of when we are teaching about breastfeeding or formula or making those choices, we do need to express there is a possibility in a time of crisis that if your body isn't making milk and you have the ability, you might be in a crisis situation. And so I just, I want people to feel like they understand the totality of, of choice. It's really hard. So this is Heidi talking and I had twins first and they were born early and they were in the NICU for 17 days. And since they were born so early, they start, I wasn't allowed to nurse them because they were so underweight. They were about four pounds each when they were born. And so they forget, I want to say they call it supplementing the breast milk. They mm-hmm. only let me pump mm-hmm. and then they would literally put scoops of formula in the breast milk so that the kids would have more calories. Mm-hmm. Um, and I understand the benefit of this. It actually turned out to be a big detriment in a lot of ways for my family because my children are allergic to milk. Yeah. So that was awful for them. Um, one of them got full body hives head to toe. Yeah. And you mentioned the special formulas and even living in Manhattan, it's actually not easy to get them yeah. at all times, especially for twins. Um, and also for me, my body hated the pump. Like I, I actually thought I just didn't produce a lot of milk, but actually what it was, was that my body hated the pump. I nursed my son for 19 months because I never pumped. And I still like my, I would even like, I went to go like get a, you know, I was like, Oh, I should have a supply. And my body just never put out a lot of milk from the pump because it just hated it. And I could look at all the pictures in the world and do all the things. And so I think it's, really interesting because you touched on so many things that we all want to talk about, about, you know, how our society is set up and sort of like, this is what you should do. And you don't have support to do this one. You have support to do this one. And there's just so much that happens in the hospitals. And we, you know, we can only speak from personal experience in the U S but as far as I know, you're given formula in every hospital right at the beginning. Is that correct? 
Not not totally correct, but pretty correct, and mm-hmm. and certainly was more correct several years ago. It's been um, my experience, my yeah, personal. Experience. I mean, it's yeah. very common. That's that's why actually in New York City, at one point when Bloomberg was mayor, he actually ended up uh, removing the ability for the the New York City health. Um, hospitals, the um, the city hospitals had to stop giving out formula as a routine, um, which was interesting, which um, because when you routinely give out formula in the hospital, it actually undermines a person's ability to breastfeed, which is really interesting. So all of the studies have shown that. On the flip side, um, what we have also shown in the studies is ideally they would have had donor breast milk for you in the hospital. So what is the vetting process of donor milk? Because we've we're jumping around a little bit, but we yeah. did want to talk about the donor milk and like, is that safe? Here we are in a time during COVID where it's like, yeah. God forbid I breathe your air yeah. and I'm considering giving my baby milk from someone else's breast. It just sounds so wackadoodle. But then maybe I'm completely wackadoodle in a crisis. Maybe is that a thing? It is a thing. It's actually something we should definitely talk about because I can't believe I'm not seeing it in any of the major news articles around this time of formula crisis that we're not talking about donor breast milk and we're not talking about informal milk sharing. So those two things are different. In the hospital, it would be very formally screened donor breast milk where they would screen for diseases because you can pass disease in breast milk. And so, yes, I have to say inherently, if you are to take rando breast milk from a person <laughs> whose body and health history you don't know, you know, there are various things um, from certain diseases to whatever medications they're taking, some medications pass through, right? So um, that is a risk for sure that needs to be considered. Now in the hospitals, and it has been shown that with premature babies, actually donor breast milk is this ideal safest and healthiest milk to give babies. And some hospitals have mandates, some states have laws that you have to have donor breast milk available, especially for premature babies due to some of the risks where they can't quite process formula yet when they're younger. And so, you know, I know you experience that. It's really, it's so challenging because you have a new baby and they're in the NICU and you have to feed your baby. That is the two babies. I'm sorry. Yes, you're two babies. (laughs) your babies and like we need to acknowledge that parents are doing what's best and whatever's told right like we just need to feed our babies like that is so what can i ask you a question because i find so i really struggled breastfeeding all of my three kids and i did the very best i could for as long as i could and felt just a ton of shame and guilt around it and then i have like family members my sister-in-law who just like gushed milk and it was no big deal. And it was so easy. What makes it so difficult for some people and so easy for others? I mean, I would, I mean, it was like, I just struggled and struggled and struggled. And I saw other people just so easily fill up. I know it's, it's so hard to understand how it hits different people in different ways. And part of it, some of it is, it could be the baby's mouth structure, literally, right? Like you could have been a perfectly fine producer, but tongue shape, mouth shape, um, uh, this frenulum under your tongue or under the baby's tongue may have been restricted and can't actually do the wave compression necessary to stimulate you because the way milk production works is more milk out is more milk made, right? That's one way. Then we have hormonal ways. So it's possible that you had something going on in your body hormonally that other people don't, where you're just not um, you know, able to make a full supply. That's possible. Or some people lack what we call, um, they have, I, you know, insufficient glandular tissue. It's called IGT. So some people, you know, does that mean don't. little boobs? I mean, no, I do, it doesn't I mean little boobs for the little boobs that I have, Jada. No, not at all. This is the crazy thing. Any boob size can make any amount of milk, but it, the amount of that you can hold is what's different. So somebody 
who, you know, I, I do, I happen to have big boobs. Um, and so I could maybe hold more than your little boobs, right? Like your baby might need to frequently feed on you more than me, but you can absolutely make production. So it's not That's about- That's so interesting because I really always thought it had something to do with size in terms of production, yeah. but it's just the vessel, how much yes, it can how hold. how much it but can hold. And also- I yeah. am a half gallon and you are a gallon. <laughs> She's a jug. Or maybe I'm like the free milk you get at McDonald's <laughs> and you are a big jug. <laughs> <laughs> something like that. It's like size, you know, but then it's that tissue, right? So what is the level, what's going on with, with your tissue? That's another possibility. So if your breasts didn't change at all during the pregnancy or didn't move up in size at all, like some people experience that, though that's a person we might flag for going like, oh, I wonder if, you know, how's milk production going to be? If you used IVF at all, that's a person who might have some issues because, right, there's some hormonal situation going on, possibly. I was just going to ask, is weight also a factor? Like, weight I, of the parent? Yeah. Like, cause I was like, I felt like I was shamed by my doctors. Like you need to eat this and have this much fat or you're not going to get the milk. Right. You know, it's so interesting. We will always just give to our babies what we have and what they need. We'll, we'll die in the process potentially, right? Like, I mean, you could become insanely unhealthy in the process, but give it to the baby. So yes, to some degree, it's possible if somebody's seriously malnourished, but you know, as opposed to just fitter or thinner or, you know, or, or heavier, but there are hormonal, you know, things like, um, PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome, various other things that can absolutely impact a person's ability. And then there's that latching. And then there's also, you know, Megan, I don't, I have no idea, you know, if it's possible, something. Are you could... asking about my rocket no. nipples? No, 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 I'm not. If you are, I have crazy <laughs> rocket nipples, which I thought would be primed for breastfeeding. So how much does the nipple impact the breast? The nipple can, yeah. If it's not protruding, it can be much harder for people. Oh, no, no. But I you're saying rocket... you're like. I have rocket nipples. I know like for the double A's that I have, it's surreal. Yeah. But yes. So I thought I was going to be, I was, I thought I was going to be a champion breastfeeder. I'm like, these nipples were built for breastfeeding. Were your babies tongue tied at all? Was there anything, did did I have a tongue tie ever get diagnosed? You know what? I didn't have guidance. So if I, maybe if I had had the joy of working with someone with like you more closely. I mean, I just basically felt like I got the baby and was sent home and then I had a jaundice baby and then I was hemorrhaging. And then like, it was just, I didn't have help. It's so hard if you don't have help. And then on top of that, if you hemorrhaged, actually, that could be a factor. If you lost a lot of blood. With two of my kids, I did. Yeah. That can be a factor in how much milk we produce. I really think this all just circles back to the the topic of shame because I felt it, Megan felt it, Heidi felt it. We all felt it for different reasons. I 100% to this day still have these weird little inklings of shame that I breastfed wrong. I didn't do it right. right. Like I hated it. Yeah, I hated it the first time, but I like, I powered through. I actually loved it the second time for whatever reason. I think I felt more comfortable and it wasn't so scary, but I didn't do it for very long because I had to get back to work. Shame, 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 shame shame. Yes. So yes. it kind of goes back to Megan's question, which is like, so we know there's there's actually a lot of women who want to breastfeed, but they just don't have the support because they're maybe in a socioeconomic class where they yeah. got to get back to work and we don't yes. support women. And now we're shaming them. And now there's no formula. And now the, the country's telling women they're going to have to have a baby. There's Roe versus Wade. And meanwhile, <laughs> have the baby, but you can't feed it. But it's, we won't do any like, care. We right. won't help you at all. Right. Not at all. See ya. So I know that you have a lot of just information and I'm just curious, you know, it's such a larger socioeconomic conversation of 
of how we don't support women and certain classes of women and how difficult it is. I mean, you know, here, here we are, like uh, there's many of us, like right now I'm sitting, I understand a place of privilege, but I felt so alone and forlorn going home with nothing as far as guidance, like Megan just said, but I, I actually would have had it if I wanted it. I just didn't know people like you existed. But there's a lot of people out there that can't pay for a lactation consultant or whatever the case may be, and they can't take the time off of work. What do these women do right now? Well, well, this is the issue, right? It's like also formula is also really expensive, which is, again, if we're talking about like, could insurance cover this? Could we be feeding, helping people with lactation support covered fully, helping people with formula who need it, you know, covered if we're really talking about on this level. And I think what we, we really see is, I mean, we have to say it's a for-profit healthcare system. We don't have national healthcare. We don't um, seem to, you know, so we're like pay for, pay for what you need and can. And so we end up in this situation. The Affordable Care Act actually requires that lactation counseling. They don't even say a consultant. So there are many levels of lactation support, um, but they say that lactation counseling has to be fully covered by your insurance company with no cost sharing. And so we have a whole art, you know, article about this, one of our blog posts on Boober, how to try to get this covered. But at the end of the day, the insurance companies right now are making it so hard. They have very few lactation consultants on them. So that's one problem. Even if you want help, like in New York, where we're based and, you know, we, we do virtual lactation support and in-person lactation support in various places. And so we see differences in various locations. But in New York, I'll have somebody in Brooklyn who has, you know, whatever insurance company they will, <laughs> the insurance company will say, oh, well, great. I have somebody in the Bronx, you know, they'll give you somebody, which if you live here, you know, is impossible with your new baby. That distance is just not going to happen. And they have two to eight people on the whole insurance for the whole city. And so, A, they make it really hard. Um, I mean, I think if we if we back up even and we just said, if hospitals all hired lactation consultants at a much higher rate, right? The average visit is about five to seven minutes. If you even get one, your baby might be sleeping when they come in, then you're not getting a visit. So I, I think there's so many ways we could start solving this problem just from there. And then if you look at all the other countries that, you know, we are um, socioeconomically similar to who have national health care programs, they also have in-home visiting postpartum care. Right. And so in this country where you have to pay for your own lactation consultant, pay for your own postpartum doula and all these other places that have much higher successful rates of, of lactation and, and what they say, happier families, they have an in-home visiting person for several weeks. And imagine if you had somebody following up with you who is coming every other day or every day to your home and was helping you work on your latch or bottle feed or whatever you're doing, right? They could make it easier for you. And so um, I really think that's the system and the, the way we need to go into that. For people who can't afford to pay out of pocket, which is many, many people in this in this country, there are um, different ways to get lactation you know, services covered or to find formula like WIC, um, Women, Infant, Children, um, which is a good resource right now for people seeking formula if they qualify um, they can go there. There are also lactation support people available as well as formula and formula samples, et cetera, um, local food banks, et cetera. But again, making people have to run around to go find this kind of support and care is, is really one of the big issues. And we also see you know, great disparities within race. We see racism directly impacting a person's ability to breastfeed if they want to. We see black and brown parents in hospitals. There's an assumption that Black people don't breastfeed. And so the lactation consultant will literally pass them over. Um, and it is very common experience. Why? why? I'm sorry, forgive my ignorance, but why? 
why is that assumption made? Um, you know, the rates are, well, often we see in black and brown communities also having jobs where they have to go back to work at four to six weeks often. And then there's no real um, enforcement of making sure that they have pumping time, you know, depending on what kind of job you do. If you work in an office, um, you can close your door and you can do your pumping. But if you do work at a, at a Burger King and you have to be standing and serving, and then what do you, you go to a dirty bathroom? Like, what are you supposed to do? And nobody's supposed to have to pump in a bathroom. And so many, many people get into that situation where they don't have the the paid parental leave. They have to go back to work four to six weeks. So there's that situation. And if you, you know, um, if you talk to many people, a long lineage of, of slavery in this country where black people, uh, black slaves, enslaved people were forced to feed their master's children, breastfeed and not feed right. their own. So there's a long history of that as well and, and a lot of trauma. And I, I won't go, you know, as not an expert, there's a great, I'm going to say Kimberly Seals Allers um, is a great expert on this and a great person to talk to you about this would be great for your, your podcast. Um, yeah, so there's just so much complexity going on. And then there's a Essentially, um, to become a lactation consultant, for instance, also costs a lot of money. So a lot of barriers to access, um, you know, in terms of training to become a lactation consultant. So a lot of a lot of situations and a lot of kind of confounding <sighs> factors. I would not want to be a mom to a newborn right now. My little sister is, yeah. <laughs> and she, you know, she's in a very different situation than most. I think than many moms in this country where she just ordered $600 worth of formula from Germany. Right. right. She didn't, but mo- many moms in our country are like scraping it together to get that one container of formula that costs a gazillion dollars. As we mentioned at the top of the show every week. And she, she can't afford to stockpile even right. if she could find it and she can't right. afford to ship it in from another country. Right. Is there anywhere that people can order it from that's, less expense? Is there any less expensive option? Like what, what can moms do if they're formula feeding their baby and they can't find formula right now? Yeah. I think right now we have to kind of pull out all the stops. So, you know, that is an option for some people is to order online from wherever they can find it. And if that's another country, if you have any contacts anywhere, any friends who might gift you some of that, right. Putting, I would say, have you seen this? So sorry to interrupt, but I've been seeing popping up on Facebook formula fairy groups. um, And it's groups of moms like, you know, like collecting for like people yeah. who aren't even breastfeeding. They're like, yeah. oh, he's off. My yeah. Like people might just have cans in there and they're, yeah. you know, yeah, exactly. Do they're they like, expire? okay. They do expire. So How quickly. Um, you know, I actually am not quite, I think it's like within, it's usually within the year. If it's port, it depends if it's powdered versus uh, if it's pre-made. You know, right. You right. Know. And I, I don't know. Sure if these stockpiles help. You usually have like a week, you know, like you have some time, like a month or two usually within the, Opening. expiration date. But that might be something for people to do just to be looking for these types yeah. of Facebook groups popping up. Because it's moms like me who are, you know, if I'm at, you know, CVS and I saw a couple jars, I'd pick it up and post it on a mom's blog. Yeah, definitely. So I would for sure get on, you know, the parenting blogs, get on the groups, get on the Facebook groups, post it on Instagram, post a story that you're needed. Because there are a lot of people right now who want to help. And it's been really amazing watching all these people be like, I have a can in my my closet here. You know, who needs this? Um, that's a really great, you know, that's one great thing to do. Um, call the formula companies directly if and see. Sometimes you will get somebody who has a connection in or has something there. Call your pediatrician for sure and ask them because pediatricians and your hospital, you can call hospital, you can try. I mean, it's a little challenging, but if you're doing the digging work, um, you know, 
the formula companies are notorious for giving samples all over the place. So people have these samples around if they haven't been asked for it already, but definitely. So a lot of like our New York local hospitals have all said that they have enough formula on hand. Remember, they have lots of extra. So definitely I would go to the hospital and ask directly. I would make all sorts of posts about what I need um, on various social media. I would also, you know, consider, let's talk a little bit about the donor breast milk that is the National Donor Breast Milk Bank. If you have certain factors that makes you eligible, you can get pre-screened and appropriate milk possibly. So that's another thing. And by the way, while we're talking about this, let's just talk to all the, all of the lactating parents out there who do have extra, if you're willing to donate to a milk bank, that's another great thing to do just as a way to help possibly for people who need screened milk. Um, if you're open to the possibility of informal milk sharing and getting that from a person who um, you can at least try and ask them their health history. Uh, I've seen a ton of posting from moms being like, here's my life, here's my health history. You have to decide if you want to believe them or not. So I can't like formally say you should do this, but depending on your level of desperation. We've always seen family members cross share milk. That's like historically throughout all of time. Of course, there were babies who couldn't be and there were moms who didn't produce. And so you didn't just I, you know, let the baby not have anything. Somebody else fed your baby. Jamie here. I got to be honest, being a longtime sober gal, I do not miss hangovers, but I still remember what they feel like. Do you ever really forget? Back then, all I knew how to do was guzzle electrolyte drinks and eat fast food. But somehow, even then, I knew there must be something better. I wish back then I knew what I know now that new Alka-Seltzer Hangover Relief can provide fast, fizzy relief from your worst hangovers. Let's be real. We were handing these out right and left in Nashville because our fabulous ladies know how to party, but they also love a little self-care on the back end. Alka-Seltzer's iconic effervescent form now helps you bounce back from a fun night out by relieving headaches, body aches, and mental fatigue from your hangover. Alka-Seltzer Hangover Relief will help you pop back up fast as fizz, as if last night never happened. Check them out at retailers nationwide. As a yogi, I connect deeply with Ayurveda, the ancient Indian systems that rely on a natural holistic approach to health. So when I learned there was a hot new hair care line based around Ayurveda, I thought, tell me more. Vataka Ayurveda is, simply put, yoga for hair. Ayurveda recognizes three doshas, vata, pitta, and kapha. Their vata line is moisturizing, the pitta products are strengthening, and their kapha is volumizing. You simply take a short quiz over at vatakaayurveda.com. That's V-A-T-I-K-A-A-Y-U-R-V-E-D-A. Com that reveals your dosha to help pair the perfect product with your hair. Clean beauty personalized for you? Sign us up. Want to try out Vataka Ayurveda yourself? Head on over to Amazon and use our code 25OFFVATAKA, 25OFFVATIKA for 25% off. So this is Heidi again speaking. Yeah. And my best friend from college uh, had a hostile uterus. Apparently that's a term. And her first baby was born at 25 weeks. It's a miracle. She survived. She's it's, it's a true miracle. And it's for her second, she wanted a second child. So she um, had a surrogate carry her egg um, and her, 
that was fertilized embryo, I guess. Mm-hmm. And um, she wanted to nurse the baby. And so she actually got medication to, to create the hormones that are necessary for lactation. How she's a doctor. How, how is this something a normal person can do? Is it cost prohibitive? Is it, I I recall it being rather uncomfortable for her. Yeah. We call it inducing lactation and we'll see adoptive parents, people who use surrogates um, do this people, you know, various various reasons why you might want to induce lactation. And we actually, we have a a very popular blog post called Inducing Lactation and How To. Um, We have people contact us a lot to connect with one of the Boober Lactation Consultants if they want to do this. So it's not like you can just make milk tomorrow, but it generally involves pumping a lot, which as as you mentioned, didn't love doing that. And so- I can still hear that sound. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I forgot to say, Heidi, actually about the pump. one thing um, that a lot of people like you made a lot of milk with your second and the pump, you know, it's third. Yeah. A third. I'm so sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Let me not discount your twins. Um, The pumps are are, are plasticky, you know, and they're not shaped the way your baby's very complex mouth is. So a lot of people who have plenty of milk, they'll never get enough milk out of the pump, which is why I want to throw out hand expression here for a minute. I guess nobody's looking, right? We're not, it's not on video. Um, but but hands are also really important and could be very helpful in this time. As you're starting, you actually like touch your boobs a lot and you get wake them up and there's a whole technique to to getting that, that milk out, which can be more effective for some people, but nobody ever talks about that either. So with inducing lactation, it involves a lot of pumping. And then there's hormones that you can take, um, essentially, to help with milk production. And then there are these medications, actually, um, like Domperidone is one of the, not, not to be it. confused with Domperignone. But, yeah, that was um, one. <laughs> it's not beer. Isn't beer supposed to make things help? My mom's like, just drink some beer. Yeah. Um, why have beer. Beer. Is, there's lots of lactogenics, right? Yeah, <laughs> lactogenics, or we call them galactagogues. You know, there's lots of things out there. Um, too much beer will dry you out, right? So actually consuming a whole bunch of alcohol doesn't help, but some people swear by the stout beers, um, like a Guinness or something like that, but moderate amounts and other people are like, nope, saw nothing. Um, Galactagogues, we always say, first, make sure that you're latching well. Second, make sure that you're removing milk well from the pump or your baby. Like you have to have enough milk removal to make enough milk, first of all. And then if you're doing all of those things, then you can try galactagogues and there's all sorts of things that, that might work. So right now, if we were telling somebody to, you know, try to enhance their milk supply, we might, we might suggest that, um, but it doesn't always work. And then that domperidone, just a note about it. It's not legal in the U S so interesting. You have to get a prescription. Most people are getting a prescription through like a, you know, some online pharmacy or going to Canada. A lot of people do that. So that's another interesting thing. Same as the gray market formula, by the way, actually, I, I read that they are, so the European formula is not legal here. Which, what? Then how can we get it shipped here? It's a gray market area. Yeah, so. I, I did know that, that it's not, yeah. it's not actually legal. It's not FDA approved. It's not FDA approved. So that's okay. why. But I thought that a lot of moms went to Europe for formula because the American formula is so like full of chemicals. And so like, that's not FDA approved. It's cleaner but it's yeah. oh my gosh it's, it's really so interesting stuff yeah so um but people i, I haven't i haven't heard of anybody being That's prosecuted because <sighs> supplements aren't fda approved and they're not illegal True but story. breast milk is 
It's not even breast milk. It's formula. Think of the money to be made by, by keeping yeah, yeah. it here. I think that's, I yeah. think it's a capitalist play. I don't think it's, it's like, because we're play. so worried about the, the babies. I don't yeah. think that's what the government's thinking. And we know, know our you, government doesn't care about babies. We know. We do know that. And there's two, question. you know, yeah. Oh, I was just going to ask, um, I've heard of people m- making their own formula. Is that a terrible idea? Um, and what most likely, and what would go in it? <laughs> it's it's most likely. Uh, I mean, the AAP, which is the American Academy of Pediatrics, right now is like, please don't make your own formula, right? And because if you don't do it right, you can certainly malnourish your baby, or worse, um, you know, they could die from certain um, things that well, you might put in it. I, what's in it? Thinks the baby's starving. I mean, right. like, what's Right. And like we have seen throughout all of time, people fed their baby, you know, the goat would feed your baby my, if you need it. And like, right. My grandma used to tell stories about like she fed my mom. I think it was like some kind of syrup. Evaporated and, um, right? milk like, usually with some with some syrup in it. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I know. Uh, she's like your mom turned out OK. And I'm like, well, debatable. <laughs> debatable. But, you know, we'll see. <laughs> yes. Um, so I think, you know, definitely talk to your pediatrician. You're, you'll see these things all over the Internet. Look, I. I think that if people are really desperate, and I guess that's the question, how, how desperate are we? And, you know, I hope that if your baby is really in that level of desperation, we're going to the hospital and like they have something for you. Um, you know, it's concerning. You don't want to stretch out your formula. Babies can have seizures, various other things, actually, where they're not getting all of the the levels of what they, they need so that there's an issue around that as well. Um, if your baby is close enough in age, right, right. The American Academy of Pediatrics recommends um, holding off on solid foods until six months. But I, I would imagine in this time that if your baby's close enough or showing the signs of readiness for eating, which could be five months or maybe even a little before. In this country, we tend to feed early, although there's been a lot of recommendations against adding solids until six months. Um, But I can imagine right now that somebody might be starting to add in a little solids if appropriate with pediatric guidance. Um, You know, and and I think like just a few other things that I didn't say that I want to make sure that we talk about like how, how people, you know, what can they do right now if they really need them? I just want to be sure that we, we say that, you know, one thing you can do, a lot of people get very married to their brand of a formula, right? They don't want to change it. They feel, and, and why would you, if it's working for your baby, but in this crisis time, if you find a different type and you don't have a baby with special needs, it would be worth just trying it out and seeing and be prepared that there might be some gas there might be some shifts in, in digestion, but it is worth doing that. It's the, um, the local, the milk banks are, it's H-M-B-A-N-A.org. H-M-B-A-N-A.org is to find a milk bank. So that could be really helpful. Um, contact, I said contacting WIC, the local food bank pantries. Um, they often, you know, will have samples of formula, um, posting on Facebook and the networks near you. We, we mentioned, um, I just want to be sure that, oh, checking, you know, if you're in a smaller, checking smaller stores, a lot of times people just go to their like giant big box store. So you may need to drive for some amount of time and go to smaller places to, to find that um, as well. And, and being really, really sure about, you know, that you're just going everywhere in this moment. But I really think reaching out to all of us, the more we network, with people right now, um, the more we can help. And then places, you know, like Uber or other companies that are coordinating um, these things, like people are telling us when they have extra breast milk or telling us when they have extra formula and if somebody's reaching out or a lactation consultant knows that they need it. So there's a lot of different local community spaces doing that. And then in, um, we also, I don't know if I could share the, I put a link in here, but I, there's um, 
the you know the United States has a, a link now for people to try and get that help. Um, and where are the different kind of ways they can go about finding support? You can send that to us and we'll put it in the show notes okay. afterwards. So cool. I think this is a good place to kind of um, let off in that you just mentioned some of the great things that Boober is doing right now to support your community of women. You're obviously just such an amazing thought leader and expert in this entire space. And it's because of all the work that you've done with Boober and really created just this new pathway for new moms to get help. And I we really appreciate that so much, Jada. Seriously, it's, it's so needed. So can you um, kind of wrap us up here by telling us a little more about Boober? Uber and what you offer and tell people what a lactation consultant is for anyone maybe who's not familiar. And then I know there's some more things that you guys are doing now as well. So we'd love to hear about yeah, that. For sure. So let's start with what is a lactation consultant? You know, they are a professional who is trained, takes like a thousand hours at least to become a lactation consultant. So they are trained in infant feeding and it doesn't just mean breastfeeding or body feeding, um, which is a term a lot of people are using right now. Um, what you is know, the difference? It, I've heard you say it's, that. Okay. It's, it's more of, um, it's a, ter- it's an inclusive term. So body feeding is an inclusive term that some parents who prefer, you know, who may not identify as women who, you know, body feed. So it's just kind of an all over term. So I'll sometimes, you know, pepper in the different terms, um, but the same thing, feeding your baby from your body, breast or chest. Um, so, you know, a lactation consultant specializes in infant feeding and they are highly trained and they do in-person or virtual support sessions where they can come to a person's home, work with you. They actually bring a very sensitive scale. And if they are an international board certified lactation consultant, so we call them the IBCLC, they bring a scale and they can you know, weigh your baby before a feed weigh your baby after the feed so that you actually can know, are you transferring anything? Because sometimes you think you are, you're feeding and feeding and feeding, right? You're working really hard. And after 48 minutes, it turns out they only had 0.2 ounces or something like that, which is, you know, not, not enough. And you're working so hard. And that is really helpful picture. They, They paint a picture, they can see exactly what's going on. And then they make recommendations as to, is it positioning? Is it latch? Is it something going on more clinically? They're going to take a whole health history, you know, and try to understand what's going on. Is it something going on with the baby's mouth or tongue um, so that they can give a complete picture? And some people just need basic reassurance and guidance and other people have very complex feeding issues. Um, You know, lactation or feeding is not all or nothing. I also think it's important for this show to say, right, um, some people will 100% nurse their babies. Some people will 100% formula feed their babies and some people will you know, breastfeed, they will use some formula, they will use some of their pumped milk, they, there's, that's called combo feeding. So there are a lot of different um, things you can do. But when we have lactation consultants working with people, you're much more likely to meet your lactation goals. And I think, you know, there's one other thing that, that we don't really talk about a lot, um, which is some of the, you know, the risks to our body, or some of the benefits, I guess, from from lactating, which include reduced risk of breast cancer, reduced risk of ovarian cancer, reduced risk of heart disease. Again, not all of us can, and not all of us will, and not all of us want to, and some of us have trauma in the past, or we have um, had cancer and we can't. Like, There's many reasons why we can or we cannot, but we should um, have these helpers like lactation consultants can make a huge difference in people meeting their goals, and especially in the early days when you're in the milk building phase, right? Like 
that sets the tone. Um, and if you can get help and support in that time, it can make a huge difference as to how long you'll be able to nurse or, um, you know, that you'll be able to feed your baby or keep making that milk. Or even if you want to become, I didn't even mention yet, the exclusive pumpers. That's another whole category. The people who, you know, really are pumping out their milk and feeding their, their baby a bottle. And they sometimes need some guidance around that. So um, I started Booper a few years ago when I realized, so I had another company called Birthday Presence, which I started in two 2002 and grew into New York's uh, top childbirth education and doula training center. And I just started seeing my customers more and more. I guess more and more people wanted to nurse their babies. I was noticing that over the course of my career, it was getting more common. Um, but they were having a really hard time finding any lactation support. So I would get these crazy calls or texts to my company line, like, oh my God, I called everybody on your list. I called all the lactation consultants. I can't, nobody's free. And I'm freaking out. And I was like, this is crazy in this day and age when you get your hair done on demand, get your dog walked on demand. Why can't you get lactation or postpartum support when you need it? Um, so I started giving out my cell phone on a postcard and basically was like, Texas number when you have a baby, um, if you're having any trouble. And they kept texting me. And so I was sitting at home and I'm like in my underwear in bed, like texting people and hooking them up with a lactation consultant colleague of mine. You know, I have colleagues all over the city and I would help them. Um, or I'd run out myself if I could do it, if it was in the area. And it was amazing, like how grateful people were just to have that early help and support. And so I slowly now, you know, we started that way, but Boober has now grown into a much bigger marketplace where expectant parents and new families can find all of their pregnancy to postpartum care providers. So birth doulas, postpartum doulas, lactation consultants, mental health therapists who focus in pregnancy to postpartum, nutritionists, um, sleep professionals, all sorts of things. We also provide childbirth classes, lactation classes, newborn care, all the classes you need to prepare. And we really are just a place where expectant and new parents can find that community and support that we really need. And I hope like one day we will build ourselves out of a job because this country will provide that support and lactation will just be, you know, part of what's covered under your health care and you won't need to be finding somebody privately. But right now, Uber is filling the gaps in a, you know, maternal care system that is really lacking. And so it's been really amazing to be here for parents in this way and to be able to share this information and knowledge. Cause I really feel like, you know, at Boober, we want to meet people where they are. I don't want to tell you how to feed your baby or how you should give birth. I just want you to have choices and options and feel really informed and supported along the way. Amazing. <laughs> Absolutely incredible. And we are all so grateful for you and your vision and everything that you've built. So knowing all of this, we end every show with something called Meg's Karma Call. <laughs> <laughs> so I forced Megan to say it because her exuberance reaches through the screen and it's amazing. I will explain being the resident yogi that karma is the Sanskrit word for action. So we ask all of our incredible, knowledgeable guests, you, what is one small actionable item that our listeners could take that could yield a giant result? Mm, that is such a good question. So I guess the action that anybody listening right now would be to be a connector for a parent who needs help. So do you yourself have any extra formula or any extra breast milk to give? Then put that out there into the community and into your world because it will guaranteed get passed and forwarded to somebody. Um, so if you are willing to either help get that to somebody or you have it yourself, I would say that is is one action that you can participate in. It's very, very simple and get help people get the support that they need right now. 
help a mama out. Love it. Wonderful. And I love that too. It's been really heartening to see all the support that's that's cropped up in the Facebook groups because when in doubt or in peril, mamas help mamas. And it's really great to see. So thank you for this today. I think we all really needed a little like dose of reality, dose of what the hell's going on, and then just like a path forward. And I think you give us a lot of that. So thank you so much, Jada. Where can people find you on Instagram and where can they find out more about Boober? Yeah, you can find us at www.getboober.com. Did that sound really old? Do we see it still say www? Getboober.com. You can also find us at getboober on Instagram, where I do lots of little teaching tips and various other ways. We we hope that our our feed is really helpful to parents, so you can learn some things. So yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you. And thank you everybody at home for tuning in. If you want some of those references that Jada shared with us, we will put that in our show notes to give you a little more uh, help and some more places to click around on to try to get the help that you need. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget to subscribe to the show anywhere podcasts can be consumed. And don't forget to follow us on the gram at Off The Gram Podcast. We'll see you next time.